This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Justin. Yeah. Uh, how do you like my new voice, man? <laughs> it's uh, you, uh, something you're playing with right now. I like it. It's, it's good style. It, it, I'm, I'm trying out for the uh, Bonnie Taylor championships. Oh, yeah? Can I hear a sample? Yeah. Total eclipse <laughs> of the heart. <laughs> Turn around, bright eyes. Turn around. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You know what, Justin? You need to introduce our guest. <laughs> yes, I, I think I should. While I, I shall. While he drinks, while he drinks some tea. Will you practice your body, Tyler? Her body, yeah. body, Taylor, body, body, Tyler, body, Tyler. Uh, I'm excited because uh, today we are we are joined by Jennifer Glass, who is the CEO at Business Growth Strategies International. And um, through the various divisions of that company, she has a payments division, a coaching division. Um, an online academy, marketing, like all kinds of different business aspects to that company. We're going to hear more about it here during our interview, I imagine. And she's also been a speaker, uh, a three-time top college speaker. She speaks for the small business development centers across the country. And she has a a number of uh, topics, including secrets to getting more customers, optimizing your LinkedIn profile, which is uh, maybe something we'll talk about. We talk about that, too. (laughs) And uh, and also, does success equate to happiness, among other categories? Uh, She co-authored the book Reach Your Greatness alongside ABC's secret millionaire, James Malinchek. And she has her book designed to help small business owners learn how to effectively get more clients without having to waste money on marketing that doesn't work. She's been featured on news outlets and media outlets like ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox, and she's recognized as a business leader by more than a thousand organizations. Please welcome to the show, Jennifer Glass. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. Yes, definitely. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Um, is there anything you want to add to your bio there? Because I'm kind of just going through the Cliff Notes version, and, and I know your you know your life is a is a full story. So, uh, what else do we need to know about you? You're just getting started here. So the bottom line is that I absolutely love what I do. Uh, a lot of people, you know, typically say that, uh, but I really mean it, and I love being able to help people. So I, throughout my career, have been helping people um, the entire time. So in terms of my bio, I mean, you pretty much hit it. Uh, you know, the high points uh, in terms of that, and you know, it's always best when people hear me that they get to know even more who I am. And then let that actually influence on anything instead of, you know, the red bio. Now, when you started your company, did you start out with all those different divisions or did you start out in like one central focus and then kind of branch out like as you discovered needs of your consumers? Or how did that go? Can you talk about the origin of the business there? Absolutely. So what happened was way back when in the uh, days the dinosaurs, actually, maybe even before the dinosaurs, (laughs) I started out in the payment processing world. And I was trying to get my feet wet, learn a whole bunch of different areas. I mean, I had been in marketing and sales before. But I came into the payment processing world back in 2003, and needed to start figuring out what that meant. 
I mean, before that, I thought, yeah, I can call up Visa and just start accepting Visa and MasterCard, no problem. My surprise, you can't. So I was um, in that industry, and as I was growing my business, my clients were constantly asking me, hey, Jennifer, I need help doing more. You know, it's great. You've got this solution. You got that solution. So I started coming up with different marketing solutions for them that we were implementing in their business. And so that kind of started growing. The web hosting division started growing because I had clients doing e-commerce and they weren't necessarily secure all the time. So I said, you know what, if you're going to process with me, I want you on my web hosting system. So that way I know you've got the HTTPS, the SSL on your site to make sure that that's at least secure and that in the days before the PCI security and everything, we had that. And then I was coaching clients through all of those different pieces uh, to get them to where they are. And my coaches ended up telling me, hey, stupid, stop coaching them for free or just in the residuals, start actually asking them to pay a fair amount for the coaching. And so my business completely morphed as the business cases allowed it uh, to become where it needs to be to constantly and consistently allow my clients to grow. So it didn't just start with everything off the bat. Everything was uh, step by step. As there was a clear business case reason, it moved into that next step. That's interesting because there was a a pivot point there for you. Well, so you just kind of followed the signs that the universe was was giving you each each step of the way, uh, and and expanding your business. So, was there a point where you decided that you were going to jump off from kind of the secure job and, and branch out and do your own thing uh, after a while? Like, how did how did you make that transition? It was actually a really easy decision for me uh, when I was in the payment processing space and the guy that first brought me in the industry, um, excuse me, he ended up becoming one of the four companies, the New York City Taxi and Limousine Commission signed a contract with to allow them to sell uh, credit cards and other electronic enhancements to the market. And he had me as his vice president of sales and marketing. And that's how I learned the industry. When he focused on the TLC side, I said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to focus on my own business. And so I moved out of that space and into my own. And it allowed me also on a personal side, completely personal, um, more time to be with my daughter, um, who was, you know, two at the time. And it allowed me really to focus more on her as I was continuing to build my business. So it started out more as a quote unquote lifestyle option, which ended up turning into really more of a hey, this is a real opportunity and I can make it grow and grow and help so many more people. So were you dealing mostly with like uh, transactions? Like like what was what was the main thing that you were doing in the beginning? You mean in the beginning when I was just starting in the payment side? Well, like when you when you branched out in, on, with your own business. With, okay. So once I branched out, I was still doing the payment processing for my clients. But then I started getting more options for my clients. So that's how the marketing came in. That's how the uh, web posting came in, things along those lines, because I realized that there was a void that I personally was not fulfilling. The other company was only interested in the payment side, and that was really where their bread and butter was. And there's a lot of companies that still just focus there, but I never liked that mold. And I said, hey, look, there's all of these upsell opportunities. And I talk a lot about upsell opportunities in my book, where it's not just the upsell, it's also the uh, more transactions. So if I can get my clients to say, hey, you know, she can help me with payment processing, she can help me with web hosting, she can help me with marketing, she can help me with coaching, all of these different areas is immensely beneficial to me as a company. Because there's so many more touches I have, and I don't have to focus just on lead gen. I can focus on maximizing revenue per client instead of focusing my efforts just on lead gen. So I have all of those additional opportunities to continue growing my business. So if I look at a client's value, may have been three, four hundred dollars lifetime anticipated volume on a payment processing side, it can be you know twenty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars or more. 
you know, when I look at other areas now. So, and what, what year was this that you were, that you made this transition? I started fully coaching clients back in 2015. Okay. And so not that long. Not that long. Uh, but from the people that I was coaching clients before, just not charging for coaching clients, I was doing that going back to like 2006, 2007. Man, they got a good deal. Oh, they totally got a deal. Good deal. It's my, my coaches said, Hey, stupid, stop doing it. <laughs> so when you were an employee, like on the, on the payment processing side, I imagine you were on a commission structure. What were you dealing with the same kinds of clients? Were you, were you like, wh- who, who is your target market? Um, well, what was your target market then versus what is your target market now? Or are they the same? So the answer is that to a good extent on the payment processing side alone, the target market really hasn't changed much. Mm-hmm. Although I do focus a lot more these days on the nonprofit space than I did when I was there. Um, you know, when I was in the industry, when I first came in, I was just, all right, who do I know? How can I get them? It's like in insurance, you know, you go for insurance, they tell you come in with 200 names on index cards by Monday and <laughs> that's who you start calling. Yep. Kind of like what I did in the very beginning, you know, when I started with the other company and in my world, I went after the nonprofits and it's an incredibly um, rewarding aspect because, um, and a lot of people don't even think about going into that sector. They're like, nonprofits are, there's no money. Guess what? Nonprofits do make money. They make lots of money, especially if they're good nonprofits. And a lot of them, you know, even though they're nonprofit in the sense that they have you know, trying to give whatever they raise to the organization or the cause that they have, um, they still need to have every service that a company can offer from payment processing to marketing to coaching, things along those lines. But the other thing also is, and the reason I focused on it is, I want to get to know the board members. If I act nonprofit to the nonprofit, right? Hey, Justin Andros, you guys, you love any organization, and if I can just, you know, throw out St. Jude's Children's Hospital as an example, right? I love St. Jude's. I give them a lot of money and I support them in every way that I can so that I can hope that someday childhood cancer will no longer exist. If I can get to know their board members, because I gave St. Jude an incredible deal, now their board members say, hey, our favorite cause she's doing well with, let me talk with her too. And so all of a sudden I'm rolling in and that also takes my lead gen work, you know, down significantly because I don't have to go after people. That's, and that's a smart marketing tactic. I mean, well, yeah. one, you're, you're niching because you're going after nonprofits and you're right. There's a common misconception that nonprofits are not, pro- I mean, don't make money, which is not true. Uh, but it's, I think that's just a lack of knowledge on a lot of people out in the business space. They just don't understand how they actually operate. So, uh, the, so the thing I'm, 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 I'm wondering about is because you, you seem to have taken not just the business that you were doing, uh, but each of these separate components, you seem to have branched off into a different, instead of having it all under one roof, which on one level you do, but you also have like these, you know, the marketing under one sort of thing, the payment processing under another thing. So you, you also split off the lateral, uh, the whole lateral thing of, of what you're doing. Is that, is, am I saying that right? Like, cause when you, when, when you introduced us, uh, when I got introduced to you, you had like a hundred links of the different things that you do. Right. So most people will only have like the one link and they offer all of these services. You, you seem to be segmenting uh, on one level. Absolutely. And the reason why I segment is because people may come in for one solution, but then when they know they need something else, right? And I'm not afraid to tell them, look, Business Growth Strategies International, we have a division for payment process. We have a division for marketing. We have a division for web posting. We have a division for coaching. We have a division, you know, for e-learning system and all of those other areas. So that way people know they can, you know, there's a line from Aladdin, try uh, some a column A, have all a column B for a <laughs> Chinese menu. You know, you uh-huh. can order from anywhere that you want to take and you're going to be in a position to grow. And if I went out there and I said, all right, look, we offer ABCDEFG, 
what's going to end up happening is I'm going to have a feeling of overwhelm. And I don't want to overwhelm a prospect before they actually get to know us. And then they can start seeing, oh, I can add this and I can add this and I can add this and I can continue to grow my business. So our order forms don't even talk about any other area in the business. Yeah. That's something that comes in with the relationship because then it's additional sales you know, to the same people. And once they already know me, they trust me, they like me, then I can work with them even more. Now, as CEO of a company like this with so many different divisions, like how involved do you get with each of these different departments? Like, are, are, and like how big is your team uh, to be able to manage all these different sectors? Uh, can, you, can you talk a little bit about that and like how you've grown as well? Absolutely. So as far as getting involved on the coaching side, I am the coach that my clients work with. Okay. Um, on the payment processing side, um, I've got sales reps that I work with that handle the day-to-day solicitation and things along those lines mm -hmm. for the business. Um, I have sales managers that oversee, you know, those uh, reps in terms of the production. Um, on the marketing, I have a lot of uh, freelancers that I work with to do a lot of that work, but there's times I'll get involved in a given project just to make that even more. Um, you know, to take an example, the LinkedIn profile optimization that you mentioned earlier as one of the lines I do. So the LinkedIn profile optimization, it starts with one of my freelancers. She interviews the person, gets their mojo, and then I'll come in and make sure that their profile is going to stand out even more just to make sure that the benefit that they get, because they want to know, you know, I'm still the brand and the face of the brand. So they want to know that that's still something they can do. Um, eventually, I'm hoping to be able to have fully transition, you know, out of that kind of need. But a lot of people that I work with, like my mastermind groups and things along those lines, and especially my coaching clients, they still want me directly involved in that. Yeah, it makes sense. You're the you're the face of the brand right now. So um, yeah. until that changes, they're definitely going to want to work with you. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about LinkedIn, just pivoting just a little bit, because that's my favorite platform. And uh, I, I'd like to know, in your opinion, what are the common mistakes that a lot of people in your mind make when they create their LinkedIn profile? What, what, what do you see that people need to do and how do you make it better? Okay, so the first mistake is everybody believes LinkedIn is a resume. It's a resume site. Guess what? Anyone listening, it's not. You want the LinkedIn profile to be completely based on what you want your ideal prospects to be seeing. Um, there's a lot of areas that people need to really focus on. A lot of people don't focus on their avatars when they write their profile. They think about themselves. I just had a meeting yesterday. I showed the, actually, I asked the guy before I met him, he came to me because he saw me speak at an event a couple of weeks ago and he wanted to meet with me. Okay. So I look at his LinkedIn profile. He comes in uh, to the meeting yesterday. I show him my screen and I ask him, I'm just curious, how much do you use LinkedIn in your business for lead gen? He's a strict B2B player right? Business to business, you're not using LinkedIn in the right way. What's the point of even being on there? His headline is president and managing director of his company. His summary section is my education, this, I've done this, and you know this is what we do. His employment area says, this is what the company does. And I asked him, Rob, you know, let me ask you, if I'm a prospect and I'm looking on LinkedIn for what you do, are you going to come up in any way that makes sense? The answer is most likely not. And if you do, because there is a keyword in there somewhere, but I see your headline as president managing director of X company, I'm probably just going to go to the next person and then, you know, look at who I might want to work with. If I'm trying to work with people, I want to know how can you help me? And what industries do you work in? Like my profile, it says business growth expert helping retail nonprofit and online businesses increase revenues via 
business coaching and smart payment processing programs, something along those lines. And the reason it says that is because who I help, what I do, how I do it, and what you can expect, right? That's right in my headline. It shows up every time I'm in a search. It shows up every time I invite someone. It shows up every time I'm being invited. So if somebody is looking at me, they're going to see that information, and then I'm at least going to be reached out by the right people. And then all of my positions carry the same information. My summary section, again, is all about how can I help you, not me, because it doesn't matter about me. I love myself. Nobody else has to. And that's the issue that LinkedIn has. Everybody makes it me, 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 but it shouldn't be me, me, me. It should be you, you, you. Yeah, yeah. So so um, what, what are some of the other ways that people uh, don't utilize LinkedIn properly? Because uh, this is, we, we get a lot of questions about LinkedIn right. uh, from our seven <laughs> listeners. And, and, <laughs> and so if somebody was going to revamp their LinkedIn profile, what would be kind of the, the check, the check boxes that you would tell people to do? Right. So the first one is make sure the URL is a custom URL. It's not first name, hyphen, last name, hyphen, eight characters, because very often I look at those and I'm like, all right, it's probably not a real account or they're just not knowing what they're doing. Second thing is make sure your headshot is professional. I don't want to see somebody cropped out of your picture. Um, I don't want to see you drinking at a party or something along those lines, unless you're a bartender. You know, if you're a bartender, obviously that's the way I want to see you, maybe. Um, but I don't want to see a business person that way. Um, next thing is make sure that the headline is talking to what you do, not who you are. Make sure that the summary section says, this is how I can help you. And, you know, give me reasons that I should want to work with you. Make sure that it's also not a set it and forget it uh, profile. You know, very often people just leave it and say, yeah, I did it three years ago and I don't have to update it. Another thing is make sure you have a strategy for how you're using LinkedIn, because if you don't, it becomes a set of then forget a profile. So you want to make sure that you're actually reaching out to people. You're inviting people to your network. You're engaging with their content and you're engaging with the platform because then at least LinkedIn sees you as somebody valuable that they want to continue sharing your information in the algorithm too. Make sure that when you post posts, you're limiting the amount of links, if any, that are going in the post, just that way you don't end up in LinkedIn jail. You know, a lot of people don't even know LinkedIn has a way of stopping you from being seen if there's links in your posts. You know, unless it's going to news articles, things along those lines where you're just sharing it directly from your area. You want your information going viral. You don't want to only go into first degree connections. Another thing also is make sure that the people you're connecting with are people you really want to be connecting with. And it's not to say, I'm not going to connect with so-and-so because they're not worthwhile. But if there's not a clear reason, don't just accept everyone. Like, I love it when I get student at Xingqing University in China. You know, you have 60 connections. I'm sorry, but it's probably not a reasonable connection for me. And I have to protect my network also because I don't want them getting spam just because you have my network's information now. So there's all of those kinds of things that go into it to make sure that when you're using the platform, that you're actually using it in a way that's going to be beneficial and not a waste of time. I mean, you can jump down the rabbit hole on Facebook very easily. You know, how many cat videos and dog videos can you watch? A million. But you're going to be wasting time. You have to make sure that what you're doing on business profiles, at least, not going to be doing that. And those are all really, really valid points. The the thing I would add also um, is that a lot of people will meet you at a networking group. And the first thing they're going to do is Google your name and LinkedIn is really well SEO'd. (laughs) So you're for a lot of people, their LinkedIn profile will show up above their website if they have a website. And uh, if they don't have a website, it's almost certainly going to be the top result that people are going to find. It's going to make the first impression beyond maybe that initial encounter at a networking group. And if you're profile is written to your potential hiring manager and not to your potential client, like you're talking about, then you're missing an opportunity there. So I would just add that. But yes, like 100% agree with everything you just said there. So you also in today's age, whether you own a business, or you work in a company, you always have to be branding yourself. It's like you said, your name will show up potentially on top of, you know, everything else on your LinkedIn account. 
just because Microsoft invested so much in it. And so, you know, the SEO is huge that they're doing. And so you have to make sure that that is written the right way, because like, you know, Justin said, otherwise we're going to completely lose those connections or prospects. So, so what are some strategies that you would employ for getting business on LinkedIn? Like what, what, what are some of the things that you would recommend someone doing to use LinkedIn properly? Absolutely. So the first thing that you do after you have an optimized profile is you start looking at your target market. You know, use the searches. You don't even need a free account. I mean, a paid account. The free account is fine for a lot of these options. That way you don't have to jump in the deep end before you're ready to invest. But what you can do, though, is look at your ideal connections. Reach out to them. And there's a whole, is a connection, you know, message good? Is it not? You know, some people have seen results come back even better when you don't send a message. Um, I personally like personalizing my messages to the people that I'm speaking with, and I counsel my clients to do the same thing. And what I do is I reach out and I say, hey, you know, um, as an example, there was a guy that I connected with. He's a bleeding heart New York Jets football fan. And I said, hey, Robert, you know, Growing up, my family were really big Jets fans. You know, one brother was a Giants fan, but, you know, the rest of my family were Jets fans. (laughs) We disowned him. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and it's great, you know, when they're doing good, you know, but this year, they, you know, as uh, the mayor of my town said just this morning in a meeting, it was the toilet bowl um, game this past Sunday, the Giants versus the Jets, New York Giants, (laughs) New York Jets, um, battle of who gets last place in, uh, you know, the division <laughs> loser wins for best draft pick. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, uh, so when I reached out to him and I said, look, you know, my family were Jets fans. I completely can relate to where you are and know, you know, you're a loyal Jets fan. And I know exactly what that means to be loyal to your team when they're down. And that's an example of immediately building rapport even if I didn't meet him at first, which is creating a relationship. It's not creating a transactional connection. And so you want to start that way where you have some sort of connection. Or if I'm going after a nonprofit and I see, hey, you know, it's somebody that works for the Breast Cancer Research Foundation, as an example. You know, I love your organization. I was close with a woman who, you know, was connect, well, she started a nonprofit, you know, dedicated to breast cancer and ovarian uh, cancer um, help and research, things along those lines, you know, and I was friends with her until unfortunately she passed away, you know, but I have to commend you for doing all that you guys do because it's such an important thing that you're doing. So all of these ways that you're changing the relationship, people don't get that personalized touch anymore. And so when you start doing that, everybody starts saying, you know what, she's different than the other people. Let me at least look at her profile. Let me see what she's doing. And if there's a way that we can do something together, or you know what, worst case scenario, meet for coffee or know who she is. That's the first thing. So, you know, know who your prospect is. If you're going after them, you wouldn't go, you know, on a sales call and not research your sales call first. Use the same idea on LinkedIn, you know, know who you're talking to, because that's going to help. That's the first thing. Second thing is when you're actually going out and you are talking with someone, never sell first, always offer value. You know, one thing that I do very often is I say, hey, how often are you using LinkedIn for business? You know, because I'm looking at your profile and I'm seeing, well, you've got the uh, generic URL, you've got a the generic header image. You have, everything is about me, 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 not you, you, you. I'll say there's- Your photos from a wedding. Right. (laughs) You know, I say there's a whole bunch of things you can do. And if you want, just go to my profile, swipe my profile and make it yours. I'm not selling. I'm simply offering value to help them grow. And what they're most likely going to say is, you know what? I don't have time for this. Can you help me? Because they see that's something that I offer. But the point is though, I didn't have to ask for the sale. I'm offering value in the beginning. The next thing you want to do is you really want to consistently nurture the relationship 
because your network is only as good as relationships that you have. You know, if you haven't spoken with people in 10 years, why are you still connected with them? You know, if you're not engaging, you haven't spoken, you haven't, you know, done something, there's really no value in that relationship. And it's like your friend, you know, if you haven't spoken with them in 10 years, maybe you're still friends, but it's like, hey, yeah, you know, we chat with each other, you know, Christmas, New Year's, but you're not really talking with them during the year. And, you know, maybe you get married. Hey, I'm getting married. Congratulations. You know, that's the extent of the relationship. It's not really a relationship. So those kinds of things, there's ways that you want to always be looking at it. So how would I counsel people? I'd look at that area and then try and make sure that they understand. Again, it's not set and forget it. You need to engage. You need to nurture. You need to grow. And then you're going to start seeing value. I mean, personally for me, I've gotten seven-figure processing deals off of the platform. I've gotten people coming to me for coaching. I've gotten people coming to me for the LinkedIn profile optimization services we offer. I've gotten people, you know, for the marketing, things along those lines. People have come to me because of my profile and because it stands out. So that's why I've been lucky enough that people have been working with me on over the years. That's great. So what, what kind of, uh, you know, and we always talk about like creating valuable content, uh, as well to make sure that it's shared. What, what do you see the most valuable type of content that people get the most engagement on? So the answer is it really depends on who you are. Um, you know, if you and Justin, as an example, were posting marketing content of, Hey, you guys are looking to reach you know, a hundred new people before the end of the year, you know, that's one thing that would get engagement. But if I am a data scientist in a medical research facility, it's not going to necessarily resonate with me. So it depends on who your prospects are, who you're dealing with, that you're really trying to get the engagement on. For me, I've been putting out a lot of content focused in different areas. And I also use a hand curated site that posts information on my behalf on a regular basis. What do you use? So, uh, it's a company called Q, Q-U-U. Oh, we, Q. we use that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Daniel is actually a friend of mine, Daniel Kempe. And um, so looking at how his system can push information, so that way my social feeds aren't empty, but at least it's valuable information. And, you know, the possible, what is it? I think it's 60, 70 some categories. You know, I've got a whole bunch of different categories, so it's going to resonate at some point with someone. And yeah. the more information that goes out, the more benefit I know that I'm able to offer. But then, of course, there's also what I'm offering. If you're only putting content out and you're not promoting also, there's no value in being on the platform because then it's just everybody's getting free content. You know, you have right. to look at social influencing, social selling, social listening, and social networking. So that way, when you're looking at the what I'm doing in these areas, and again, it doesn't have to be 25% in each, but you don't want to be a one trick pony in just one category. So you have to constantly be looking at what you're personally putting out there to match everything else. And also look at current events, right? If there's a major issue, like for me in the payment processing space, we're going into the holiday season, knowing that the holidays are one of the busiest times for fraud, for um, passwords being stolen, sites being hacked, stores trying to be hacked, you know, pay attention to what's out there. And if you can add to a timely news story, people are going to be more interested in that. And by the way, the media may pick you up in an article that they're writing. So that's another way of reaching even more people. Now, have you experimented with LinkedIn Live at all? Or are you like us still waiting for access because we're not one of the chosen few? I am still waiting for access. I have people that I am connected with. Um, like there's one uh, gentleman in particular, he's on the board of Google, but he's not with LinkedIn, but he got LinkedIn Live and he's done a whole bunch of presentations on LinkedIn, you know, using LinkedIn Live. Um, I know that I would personally love to get LinkedIn Live because I would have so many different uses for the yeah. platform. Um, I mean, I picked up, an app uh, that allowed me or will allow me as soon as I do get LinkedIn Live, but Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and LinkedIn Live all through a single streaming interface. 
So looking at that, you know, I'm looking at all of those opportunities just to maximize um, how can I get out there and reach more people. And if you have the right information going out there, it's going to do even more. And we know video has a huge impact on business. If you see videos out there, people are more likely going to watch it, especially LinkedIn Live. You get notified, oh, he's live, she's live. Let me go see what they're talking about. And if it's something that makes sense, you got them hanging on for the long term. And I see that as a big opportunity because it's it's in a limited scope right now. So when it launches, there'll probably be a, a good year there where there's going to be really good promotion and reach from your LinkedIn live posts. And then I'm sure it'll balance back out like it, like it kind of did on Facebook. But there's going to be an opportunity there coming up here in 2020. Right. I mean, IGTV, same thing. You know, if yep. you've got those abilities to get out there and have the right content that's going out, it's just going to boost your value. And again, branding. So let me uh, switch gears a little bit, because I'd like to ask you about uh, more the nuts and bolts of the business in general. And uh, first of all, how many people do you have working for you? So I have 18 um, reps that work with me. And then I got a bunch of freelancers. Okay. And, and when you, uh, when you do, do, are they, do they have their own accounts? Do they, uh, or, or are you more the account holder and they do different components to service the accounts? So on the payment processing side, they have the accounts. It's their relationship, not mine. Okay. And, and what is the, uh, what would you say is the, kind of the, the most lucrative part of your business as far as, cause you, you know, you, it, it, it's kind of interesting cause you know, you start off with payment processing, but then getting into all this other sort of, uh, stuff with marketing and helping business. Uh, if somebody was just starting out, what would you advise them as far as the, the simplest entry point to starting their own online business with all the stuff that you're doing? If I understand your question correctly, um, what I would guide a prospective new business owner to do is, first of all, find something that interests them. Because if they don't like and believe in what they're offering, their customers are going to, or prospects are going to quickly see that and they're not going to buy. So they're just wasting time. Like, oh, yeah, I need money. So I'm going to go and open up this you know, MLM business or this online business. If you don't honestly believe in it, though, it's not going to work because your new business is another baby. You have to feed it. You have to raise it. You have to nurture it. And if you don't like what you're doing, you're not going to want to do all of those things. You're not going to want to put in the hours necessary to do all of those things. And so when it's a job and it's not your business, it's not your interest, then it's just a job. And to use Robert Kiyosaki's, you know, E-Myth cash flow quadrant, self-employed, you own a job. Business right. owner, you own the business, right? right? So think about it from that perspective. You don't want to own a job. You want to own the business. You want to see the value in what you're doing to grow. Next thing that I would say to do is make sure that you have the right mentors in place. And you also want the right advisors in place. You want an insurance agent. Why? Because you don't want a problem. Oh yeah, my basement where I keep all my inventory flooded. Now I have to get, you know, figure out what to do. So you want them helping you from the get-go, make sure that everything is set up the right way. And every time that you do have a risk question, you ask them. You want an attorney and an accountant, same thing. You don't want to wait until you have an audit or until you have a legal matter to get an attorney. You want to make sure you have a banker on your advisory board, because again, when you need money, you don't want to be going into the banks first and saying, I need money. You want somebody helping you, making sure that you've got that. So you look at who the core people are that you need around you. You have your mentor, you have your industry veterans, you know, and those other people I mentioned, and those are the ways that you're going to start making sure that you're at least aligned in the right way for success. You know, everything starts on the foundation. You can't build a house without foundation. So looking at it from that perspective, that's what I would do. Second thing that I, or the next thing I would look at is, what are you selling? How are you selling? And do you know who your ideal prospects are? If you don't, you gotta really look at that. You have to come up with that marketing strategy 
and invest time to make sure that I know who my ideal client is. I know why they want my product. I know how they're going to use my product. I know that whole customer journey from the point of, I know that I got something going on, but I'm not really sure what it is until they become a brand ambassador of yours and are sending all their fan, all their friends and family as your biggest fans to you. So if you can maximize that customer journey, you're going to be better off also. So you need to make sure that you're investing the time up front to map things out and then pay attention to trends. You know, if you're watching, um, you know, Blockbuster back in 2005, right? Blockbuster in 2005 may have been a pretty good company, Blockbuster Video. I don't know if it's, you know, if it was outside of the United States, but certainly here in the U.S., you know, there was a Blockbuster just about in every town. Oh, yeah. Come Netflix, guess what? Blockbuster is no more. Well, yeah, I, I, we, we talk about that often. I, I, I was working for Comcast. I, I, I just left the States like two years ago, through two, okay. two years ago. But, uh, you know, when, when uh, uh, you know, Blockbuster was the competition to cable. And, uh, you know, when, when uh, Netflix brought on their streaming service, uh, I knew the, the game was over for, for cable. Um, but, uh, so, so, uh, what, what, what would you say is your favorite part of doing what you do like now? Okay. So the favorite part of what I do is, uh, coaching my clients, um, working with them, helping them grow their business and seeing them continue to grow. Favorite thing that I love what happens is I see my clients when they have grown, they start investing more. They take in more employees because their business is growing. They need more salespeople. They need more people to fulfill the various um, needs that the company has. Then what they're doing also is they're donating more to community causes. They're donating more to the churches, the synagogues, the mosques, donating to the police, the volunteer ambulance corps, the schools, all of the community organizations. And then there's greater community organizations like childhood cancer causes and, you know, different things like that, where they're giving more because they have more to do that. And I always say my why is because I want to make our nation stronger. I want to make our community stronger, which makes our nation stronger. And I've been accused of being utopian and it's not been, you know, as a compliment when they accuse me. But I will gladly wear that badge of honor as being utopian because there's nothing wrong with wanting everything to be as good as it can be. I would agree with that. I want to take a uh, take a brief pause here, though, because we are getting to the end of our interview. And uh, I know that there's another way that some that clients and listeners of the show in particular can work with you um, and that you have something called the BGSI Academy, which, again, is the Business Growth Strategies International Academy. And can you talk just a little bit about the academy program? what that is and what somebody would get if they participate in that and how they can um, get involved with that? Absolutely. So the BGSIacademy.com platform is our e-learning system that allows our uh, business professionals out there to start learning the strategies to really make sure that you're going to succeed in your business. And it starts off with a roadmap. One of the things that happens is you get into the system and you're asked a bunch of questions and it's on a scale of zero to five, right? How good am I in doing uh, sales? How good am I in referrals? How good am I in follow-up? How good am I in strategic partnerships? How good am I in all of these various areas? Because if I'm not good, then what my system does is it starts delivering the strategies that you need to know even better in the beginning, because I want you to start seeing immediate growth in terms of what you're doing in your business. So if I can say, okay, fine, we have, oh, you need strategic partnership help. All right, let's look at that. And we'll say, all right, who are you working with? How are you doing it? And let's see what we can do in terms of coming up with those strategies to help you do that. Let's see what we can do to help you get more of those partnerships and give you ways that you can find out of the box partnerships that some people aren't even thinking about, but ways that you can still come around on the back end and become a partner of 
your ideal connection source. Yeah. Um, you know, then um, once you have that, there's 52 weeks of lessons that get emailed out one every week. And it gives you based on where you were in your roadmap, those various strategies along with a video that goes along with it. But behind the scenes also, there's tons of video uh, strategies in different areas. There's a quick, uh, quick start video series um, to really make it, hey, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, and really get you up and running. And those videos are less than five minutes in length. And by the way, you can also go one and a half or two X um, speeds. That way you start sounding like the chipmunks. <laughs> or three if you're Andros. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. Um, doesn't get chipmunky, but almost, you know, but it starts sounding like this. So you can actually listen to it in a way that you're still getting the content to make sure you're learning. And it's all there to make sure you're going to grow. And all of my coaching clients can access the academy. Uh, but if you just want to do the do-it-yourself system, the BGSIacademy.com is an amazing platform that I am offering uh, free access to anyone that um, clicks the link. You guys, I guess, I'll post the link. Yep. Um, yeah. So to anyone who, um, or maybe I think I was actually the first 25 people who clicked the link before the end of the year, using uh, the special promo code that you guys have, um, will get the um, access for 30 days into the system. So it's wow. really an incredible system. It's a $97 value that you're getting on me and courtesy of the marketing geeks um, to get access and really start jump uh, jumpstarting your marketing efforts and uh, really making your business, uh, taking it to that next level. Well, I'd, I'd recommend all of our seven listeners to definitely do it. <laughs> it's totally five slots, so you're guaranteed to... Uh... Please get in there. So, um, uh, well, well th th this was, uh, this was amazing. I mean, uh, how do you, how do you find time to, wh what do you do for yourself? Like, cause you're, you've got so much going on. How do you, uh, just chill out? Um, so the answer is, and again, it's another side business that was not part of my bio. Um, but my daughter and I have been making jewelry for the last seven, eight. I don't remember right now exactly. Uh, but it, give or take the last seven, eight years. And, you know, we've sold a number of pieces here and there. And it's just another creative outlet. I love being able to help uh, volunteering out the wazoo. Um, and again, that goes back to my making our community stronger and better. Um, but that's really what I love doing. It's getting out there and making sure that I can do what you can do. Um, after all, you only live once and you want to leave the world a better place. Not if you're a Hindu. No, wait, real quick for the jewelry business. Are you selling like on Etsy or are you selling through like Shopify, like your own e-commerce platform or how, how are you selling the jewelry? I'm just curious. Uh, it is really person to person. People see what I'm wearing or we've done a couple of boutiques and they're like, I like that piece. I like that piece. Where do you get it? How can I get it? Got it. Yeah. And you have a background in payment processing, so I'm sure you could figure out that part. So, yes. <laughs> well, we, we, we got to close up the show. But before we go, uh, we always like to ask our guests, uh, what are you most geeky about right now? Could be a film, book, television series, hobby. Uh, doesn't have to be business related. Uh, just something that you're super geeky about right at this particular moment in time. Super geeky about politics. Oh, yeah. Dish it. I am. Um, I'll let all your listeners know your seven listeners. Um, I eventually plan on being president of the United States. And really? Cause yeah. right now I, I would vote for you over like anything that's, I don't know. <laughs> you, Elizabeth Warren might get my vote, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's so you, so you must be like grabbing the popcorn with the impeachment hearing starting tomorrow. I am definitely watching it. I mean, honestly, I'm on the other end of the aisle. But um, putting that issue aside, I have been watching everything. I've been a politics geek since high school, politics nerd, um, just a junkie, um, I guess is probably a better way of saying it. Um, you know, that's my drug. And just watching everything that happens, paying attention to the elections, the debates, all of that, that is, you know, something that I'm absolutely geeky about. Well, we definitely need uh, civility and uh, common sense instead of rhetoric. So I will uh, definitely support 
uh, that. Uh, Justin, what do you what do you uh, what do you got going on? What are you geeky about right now? Uh, you know, I just finished the show Succession on HBO, um, yeah. season two. I, I love it. That show's awesome. Which is basically a, I think it's kind of based on like the, um, like the Murdoch, like Fox News family, because <laughs> they own they own like a conservative news outlet. Um, it's about their, it's about them running the business. It's all like the backstabbing and the politics of running a business and the family trying to backstab each other and take over the company when they're uh, when Brian Cox is the father, who's a great actor. And uh, it's a it's a fun show. I love it. Cool. I I, uh, I just uh, finished watching the Netflix series The Family, which is uh, very interesting, and uh, I I recommend it highly. And that was the family. So uh, the family. It's uh, it's basically about. Uh, well, I would just rec- I you just got to watch it. It's it's about kind of the the uh, hidden forces in politics. So you would probably dig it. Thank you. You'd probably dig it. So uh, I've not seen that one or heard of that one, but I'll check it out. Yeah, I recommend it very highly. So uh, great. Well, I, I again, we so appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, and, uh, you know, we we you know, please check out the link below. And, uh, you know, can we connect with you on LinkedIn as well? Absolutely. I would love uh, connections. And All right. guys, just remember, if you can include a connection message you're probably going to be doing better than not yeah very good all right well thank you so much it was uh wonderful having you on the show thank you thank you so, so thank much you, gentlemen thank you jennifer glass everybody that was that was really uh really interesting man she's got a lot going on i gotta tell you yeah it's a, a lot of different a lot of different fields a lot of different uh yeah it's, it's interesting it's a, it's a a multi-pronged business a multi-pronged business, and it just goes to show you. And and you know what? If she runs for president, uh, if uh, if she's not running against Jennifer uh, or uh, Elizabeth Warren, I will I will definitely vote for her. So uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, another fine episode has come to a close. Indeed, it has. And uh, n- next week we have uh, Chase Hughes, who is going to tell us about MK Ultra and mind control and Jedi mind tricks and reading people and how to like and reading people how to how to win a business by reading someone and making like just looking and going you know I own you and you that should be that should be a good one I'm looking forward to that yeah, I am too man I am too and uh, yeah what else what, do you uh, you got anything else you want to share no not not really um, no I have nothing else man. They're usually more exciting than this. Um, I know. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to go to Paris. That's going to be awesome. So nice. Yeah, yeah. Go to LinkedIn and you'll see my little report from. Paris. Is the Eiffel Tower like decorated in kind of holiday lights? It's still there. Yeah. No, I don't know. We'll find out. I'll let you know. I love Paris. You gotta come. You gotta come visit me, man. You gotta do it. How far? How far is Paris from Netherlands? Like, how, is that a train drive. ride? Is that a plane? It's a five-hour drive. drive. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Like, it's the Netherlands is in the center of everything. It's so great. I love it. You gotta come visit me. Come visit me. Yes. Yes. Twenty twenty. We're gonna make it happen. Okay. You better. I'm gonna. Yeah, we can record through. a live episode from the Netherlands. That would be sweet. We, we should record a couple episodes. <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, stay classy.